0: You're now listening to Sanity at the movies! Hey everybody, this is Nathan Overson, your humble and obedient host, joined by Pastor Jacob Menzel and Benjamin Solzer, our chauffeur today. Mm. <laughs> ah, taking us to the Sanityville Movie Palace, the fine movie emporium here in the city of Sanityville, where we are going to see Solo. A Star Wars story If we ever get there I'm gonna,
1: Yeah, well the good thing about making me drive Is that after I get lost a few times it's, I
0: pretty much know where I'm going I just sit in the back of the limo And don't know why Jake chooses to Sit in the front Because
2: I eventually like to get where we're
1: going <laughs> I just enjoy the journey. Well,
0: hey, <laughs> I'm a big destination fan myself.
1: <laughs>
0: we're gonna just miss probably the first 45 minutes of trail. Han might have already shot first by now. <laughs> you don't know what's happening. Oh, oh even we might have, we might have already gotten his Carillion death stripes. Is that what those things are called, Jake? Folks, Jake knows a lot about Star Wars, and you were gonna find I that do, out. But
2: I don't know that. One detail for sure.
0: Why does he know a lot about Star Wars? He's been studying it since his youth, right. it's like the, uh, in a Talmudic kind of a, a sense. Jake delved right. deeply into into Star Wars, and yeah,
1: I was just a big Star Wars geek. <laughs> and every time I make a wrong turn, he's blood <laughs> like, stripes, not your bent, so <laughs> bent the fighters. <laughs> Heard about a job, big shot gangster putting together crew. Oh. I'm a driver, and I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this.
0: What do you think? Um, Well, what do you know? We're going to see the Solo movie, guys. You excited? Yeah, why don't you tell us what we need to know, man? Uh, Jake, I thought you'd never ask. This movie, well, it's called Solo. It's a Star Wars anthology film, so if people don't know, I'm not sure where all our listeners are at but you got your main Star Wars movies your episode 7 your episode 8 in a couple years there'll be an episode 9 which will round out the second Star Wars trilogy and then they'll do other Star Wars trilogies but they're also filling in the gaps every year every year they're releasing a Star Wars movie this is what they call an anthology film so it's set in the Star Wars universe but it's not part of the main Skywalker saga saga. yeah yeah yeah
2: another example of that would be Rogue One
0: Rogue One a movie that I think uh, you and I at least agree I don't know about our show if we're over here is one of the better Star Wars movies of I think it's the best vintage best
2: thing that they uh, best new thing that they've done. Yeah yeah. and so that's set right before episode four. It leads right into episode four, which is a new hope, the very first Star Wars movie ever made. So um, where's
0: solo set in terms of timeline. I want to say seven years before a new hope. Is what okay. I read somewhere. That would make about sense. We basically learn about a young Han Solo, Harrison Ford's character, if you're really a noob, tells the story of his, not, not so much his youth, I guess, but his young, you know, him his kind of earning his stripes, not his... Corellian Death Stripes. But Blood just,
1: Stripes, I just corrected. Blood Stripes. I,
0: I looked it up on the internet just now. He started so low <laughs> you won't believe it. <laughs> yep, and he, uh, I'm not gonna yes and that.
1: <laughs> Don't dignify it.
0: This movie has had some drama. It's. It was released by Lucasfilm, the brain trust of Kathleen Kennedy, a lady that grew up under the tutelage, kind of partnering with and under Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, her and Frank Marshall are married and you can see their names as producers or executive producers on every movie that you love from the 80s the Indiana Joneses your Star Warses, your Ghostbusters is she's a Hollywood super producer and she is the main place where the buck would stop if you read anything about Star Wars her name is probably going to come up because she's it'll be her and then it'll be kind of a creative brain trust of people that are coming up that are shaping the universe the larger Star Wars I
2: guess the Marvel Cinematic Universe equivalent would be Kevin Feige
0: right 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 she's working with the directors and the screenwriters and it's it's going to be in some setting sense, the Agenda. setting the agenda making the ultimate decisions and in this this case this is important because she fired the first directors of this movie their names are Lord and Miller they were directors most known for things like 21 jump Street the Lego movie the Batman Lego movie I believe they had a hand in they are really funny I don't know if they're really funny but that's their reputation that's their mm-hmm. reputation as as not just funny but clever and meta if you've seen the Lego movie it comments on all the tropes of not just action movies, but the hero's journey, it's actually, I'd say the Lego movie is one of the most snarky and successfully sophisticated takes on the whole idea of a hero's journey but it turns out that they were, I guess, the wrong people for this job, or that's what Kathleen Kennedy thought anyway, because they were fired after shooting a good chunk of the movie. Um, I
2: think I read at some point that 70% was of this film was reshot. So,
0: so. yeah, I, was, I think maybe 80%. There's all kinds of rumors, and everybody has these non-disclosure agreements, so we'll never really know what happens, and you never do, and all the nerds like to speculate, and I don't really care to speculate that much, because I really just think it's impossible to know. Maybe they were doing a great job, and Kathleen Kennedy is a tyrant that likes to squash artistic integrity, maybe they just didn't know how to handle a giant franchise film make, filmmaking with this many, this many moving parts, and they were just trying to do their improv kind of comedy stuff. So who knows? The point, All we know is that it wasn't working. Kathleen Kennedy's had a touchy relationship with producers and creators and directors. The guy that did Rogue One, got he didn't get replaced exactly, but... Forced into reshoots, he wasn't happy. Right, and some really great reshoots. Uh, the, the, the Darth Vader scene, which everyone loves, from Best Rogue One and movie. makes that movie and, and really is was a good thing for that movie to, movie to have done, a good creative decision, is also a studio note. The fans want Darth Vader, you gotta give him Darth Vader, which is the very definition of a evil studio note. And yet, in that case, it's it's exactly the right move. The fans did want Darth Vader and in fact it improves the movie so studios aren't always evil that's one thing that as we do these movie episodes I just want people to understand that there's a lot of moving parts in any given movie. We tend to assume that the director is the creative force and the auteur. That's not always true sometimes it's a producer, sometimes it's a Kathleen Kennedy, sometimes it's a brain trust sometimes it's an executive. It can be a lot of different things. Great movies can be made by committee, they can be made by personal passionate filmmakers, Bad movies can be made by committees. Bad movies, it's just a weird art form in that way. It's intrinsically collaborative, so you just can't parse these things and make snap judgments about, oh, Kathleen Kennedy probably squashed, you know, Lord and Milley's artistic vision. Well, maybe their artistic vision sucked and needed to be squashed, I don't know. The interesting part about it is that they brought in Mr. Ron Howard, per Ben Sulzer's favorite critic. Do you know what he called Ron Howard recently? I can't remember. He called him one of Hollywood's most reliable bland directors of (laughs) feel-good (laughs) claptrap.
1: Which is... uh true summary
0: well i'm gonna tell you the movies i'm gonna read off this list of movies that he made and you guys can tell me if you agree splash cocoon willow parenthood backdraft apollo 13 how the grinch stole christmas a beautiful mind he won the academy award for best director for that cinderella man the da vinci code the da vinci code sequels
2: i liked apollo 13 and cinderella man
0: i liked apollo 13 never saw cinderella man most of those other movies what i noticed about that list of ron howard movies is that they're all okay like it's yeah. just it's a list of nobody's favorite movies but movies that everybody kind of likes i mean and has seen and has seen so he is just the very definition the mean way of putting it is how mr chow put it one of hollywood's most reliably bland directors but maybe the nice way of putting it is one of hollywood's most reliable directors uh, it's, it might yeah. be bland it might not be the best it's also not going to be the worst
2: Oh serviceable workman sort of guy he's not going to take a lot of big risks
0: he will take zero risks
1: I, I i really like the negative spin <laughs> walter <laughs> chaw's summary of his career
0: apollo 13 I really really liked when that it will came be out be on
2: some people I bet on some of our listeners lists hmm. as a favorite or top movie
0: yeah and Maybe some people so. might really love A Beautiful Mind I really liked Beautiful Mind when it came out but what it does to John Nass' story is just completely unfair it's such a bad adaptation and such a schmarmy. and what Cha or somebody said about Ron Howard is he's the kind of guy that's never gonna pass up an opportunity for a slow clap to build into a big clap for someone to give a speech about love for mm-hmm. there to be a close up of a child crying he's just like everything that's kind of dumb about spielberg without the saving grace of spielberg's flair and pixie dust pixie dust yeah and that might be fair if people don't know about ron howard he played opie taylor at age six the andy griffith show so that's who he is if people didn't know he's opie i think it's a good way maybe to think about ron howard and who he is and his blandness grew up in mayberry yeah he grew up in mayberry And he grew up doing TV commercials. This guy has never worked a non-Hollywood job in his life, which I just think is interesting to speculate Mm -hmm. about. I don't know whether it's true, but like Hemingway says, in order to write it, you must live it. Ron Howard's never done anything but play pretend. He's never actually gone out and lived life. Since the guy was six, he's been a professional actor who then became a professional director. When did he have the time to actually ever go out and absorb what humanity? So for example, when he does a slow clap that builds into a long clap in a movie, maybe he just thinks the world works that way because his whole life is just processed through movies. Like Warhorn Media, right? Where We have to create podcasts every week. I often ask myself, well, Nathan, when have you or when have you and Jake had time to imbibe something, to absorb something that's not just another podcast, that's not just another piece of media? When are you going out and living life and learning things and absorbing wisdom Taking things in and digesting them, mm-hmm. so that it's not just a feedback loop of media digesting media turning into more media, which is what you don't want to be. It's it's. I think if you're going to be an artist, not that I'm an artist, but if you're going to be an artist, you have to in some find some way of actually. Does
2: Ron Howard have a family?
0: Yeah, he does. So
1: his daughter is the star
0: of Jurassic World,
1: the yeah, female star. Of Jurassic Bryce World. Dallas
0: Howard, oh, the, right. the the great redheaded. I didn't uh, know that. actually. First, uh, so I'm not. In, so I'm just speculating here. Ron Howard seems like. Like a nice guy seems like what you'd want Opie Taylor to grow up into. They did a giant talent search and found an unknown to play Han Solo. His name is I don't know how to pronounce Alden it. Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich. And here we are, guys. We're at the the movie pals. Ben, you you found it. I guided him here. Just past that house with the chickens, if I can remember that. Yeah, you got to can... get past the house with the chickens. The one house with the chickens.
1: I, I'm sure I saw several houses with chickens. It's because
2: you kept going around in a circle. Uh, yeah, it's
1: yeah, just yeah, the one. Yeah. It's the one I, with the I trim. think you guys are confused now, but that's okay. We're here. It's great.
0: All right, well, here we are in the concession stand at the Palace in Sanityville. Jake, why are we watching this movie? We might as well figure this out while we... (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. well,
2: we... Obviously, we put it on the list just because it's a Star Wars
0: movie. Yeah. That's really it. Star we Wars. We don't seem to be able to not talk about Star Wars. Star Wars on. is a
2: cultural phenomenon. And I think when we put it on the list, we assumed we'd be more excited about it than we were. Yeah. Coming in and we that other people would be more excited about it. But
0: this is it. This is the first Star Wars movie that's come out that doesn't feel like a religious experience for anyone. Like, it doesn't feel like the the, the fervor is attending this that was attending The Force Awakens or... Well,
2: when we, when we came to the movie palace here in Sanityville for infinity where we had trouble parking mm-hmm. and there was a line and it was packed out a half hour or so before the movie started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everybody was in their seats waiting for a half hour or more. Benjamin here, and, uh, you had to
0: find, resi- true or false, Ben, you had to find residential parking. Like you, I did. You went yes. out into some neighborhood.
2: Yeah, and so tonight uh, we got here... We're still, despite Ben's friend is driving, we're a half hour early. Mm-hmm. Oh, this showing. Yeah. <laughs> Prime parking spot. There's actually uh, only one person in line in front of us in the concession stand. And the only reason it's taking so long is because they still can't decide between Rents
1: and Spree.
2: They should just pick one and get out of our way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right, person.
1: Hey, Jake, they, they can hear you. <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah. It's a half hour before the movie starts and they've still got the entrance blocked because they're cleaning and nobody seems to be especially eager to get in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will say I walked past a Wookiee, like full face mask, Wookiee, everything uh, on my way in. I also saw a Jedi walk out of a theater in a full robe and with with a lightsaber, which he made sure to light up as he came out of the theater. (laughs) Well, guys, it's time for our fun facts segment. I, for some reason, I thought it would be a good idea to bring along fun facts for us to talk about while we wait for the them to let us into the theater. So... My first fun fact, actually we already mentioned a little bit earlier, Ron Howard had to reshoot more than 80% of this movie. They originally had an actor named Michael Kenneth Williams. He played the big bad in this movie, but he was not available for the reshoots that Howard was going to be doing, so they had to recast the role of the villain around the same time, Paul Bettany, who's a big who's a friend of Ron Howard sends this text to Ron Howard as soon as he hears that Ron is taking over the movie quote hey Ron have you ever spent long winter evenings like I have wondering why I'm not in the Star Wars franchise unquote Ron Howard texts him back lol let me get back to you two weeks later Paul Bettany is playing the main villain the big bad the big bad of this movie so that's fun and oh shoot, they're letting people in, guys. I guess we'll we'll come back to these fun facts afterward. All right, guys, we're we're gonna watch the movie now. You guys, you can listen to this interstitial segment while we do that. We we'll visit with our friends with the Popcorn Corn Coalition. We'll be back. Hey, welcome to the Popcorn Coalition. We are so excited today to talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. I really appreciated how
2: Solo delved into the the, the grit and darkness of,
0: of depravity in a broken world. But the, my favorite theme in the movie, bar none, redemptive sacrifice. It's all over. It's all over it's the all movie. It's all over this movie. Oh, it's yeah. like the filmmakers, they looked at the world and they saw it's full of brokenness on the one hand. What can redeem the brokenness but the redemptive sacrifice? And
2: there are redemptive sacrifices all over this movie. That beautiful robot. That robot is just so right.
1: We really should, should should be more like that robot. We all have to work to take the restraining bolts off each other's hearts. We It's so true. It's so true. My favorite redemptive sacrifice happens during that train scene. Mm-hmm. And some people might say that her sacrifice didn't amount to anything because they didn't get the coaxium, but that's not true. She actually did sacrifice herself right? Am I wrong, guys? No, she, she did. Actually she totally did. redemptively. Did. <laughs> redemptively. And what did she redeem though? us confused for a minute sometimes you know when when the train of our lives is going off the tracks we need a friend who will redemptively sacrifice himself or herself for us i mean i know that if i was in a heist gone wrong with you guys, I would never hesitate to redemptively sacrifice
0: myself. I would never hesitate to let you redemptively sacrifice yourself for me. And And I, I would try and keep the money. And I would never hesitate
2: to climb up into the ship and pilot it out of there, no matter what happened or who died. Whenever I walk away, from a movie like this, I just, I'm so thankful for Hollywood, for the existence of Hollywood. You said it. Thank you, Hollywood. And the, thank you, Hollywood. Making wonderful movies full of the
0: themes of redemptive
2: sacrifice. Thank you, All Hollywood. thanks to the Hollywood machine. Thank you, Hollywood
0: machine. Well, until next time, guys, I guess the key takeaways from this movie, number one, redemptive sacrifice. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Popcorn Coalition. Until next time, we just hope that your movie-going experience gets butter and butter. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you, Popcorn Coalition, as ever. Their insights are really profound. Heartwarming. Yeah, heartwarming. That's the word. Uh, Initial thoughts on the movie? I liked it.
2: I liked it. I was pleasantly surprised. To be honest, I was trying not to let it show before we went in, but I did not want to go see this movie tonight. I would have rather have been home. I felt movied out, you know, what, 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, a bunch of negative buzz about it, nothing really exciting in the trailers to make me feel like this is going to be cool or worth my time, and so I just was not very happy camper it started rolling and i found myself having fun enjoying
1: it yeah so yeah I, yeah it was fun I also was not, that, yeah i shrugged i was also not looking forward to it particularly but i was i enjoyed it and it is a, it is a
0: silly film <laughs> yeah i liked it the first 10 minutes were really dodgy but then it settled in and it got fun hmm. well there you go guys let's hit the diner and talk about this what we actually thought about this movie spoilers major spoilers coming up folks guys well here we are at the horribly named dinky's diner and shake shack um one of the truly worst establishments in sanityville but also a place that happens to be open late after these stupid movies get out
2: it's the only 24-hour restaurant establishment In Sanityville. Yeah, Sanityville's a small town. Even Rothgar's
0: Hall is closed. Yeah, Sanityville's a small town. It's uh, lots of mom and pop shops and stuff like that. But Dinkies, of course. (laughs) Yeah, what'd you guys think about this movie? I am of two minds about this movie. I'll start. I'm of two minds. On the one hand, I enjoyed it. On the other hand, I thought it was really stupid and poorly done. And I mean both of those things sincerely. Like I, after the first 10 minutes, really dodgy, really lame, contained some of the worst exposition dumps I've ever seen in a movie he goes up to his girlfriend and he says things like it might as well be you're my girlfriend yes yes Han and we want to get out of here together yes and I've got this thing that will allow us to do that yeah am I exaggerating at no, all no, guys? You're not exaggerating. That, that's how it is yeah things that people would never say to each other I'm sure it, I'm glad we're podcasting right now Jake I am too. Podcasting is great, Nathan, and we'll be able to communicate our thoughts to the people that listen to our program. Sound of Sanity. I mean, it is thanks that. thanks to the microphones in front of our faces <laughs> is, and the recorder in front of you. It is that level bad, yeah. <laughs> and no exaggeration, no hyperbole. It is that bad. And it was, and the guy was. I was like, who is this guy? Is he going to be charismatic as Han Everything about it just felt off. But then, about ten minutes in, settled in. It just settled in. There was this great train heist early in the movie that was really a lot of fun. I mean, what the movie did was hey, let's take, some, let's
2: take your favorite plot points from the original trilogy and from Indiana Jones
0: movies mm-hmm.
2: and let's throw them all on the table and then let's pick about 10 Han Solo questions that we can answer.
0: How do he get his gun? How do he get his dice? How do he get How to get the he,
2: dice? How to get the gun? How to get his name? How he get How did he meet Lando? Huh. How do he meet Lando? Who's the girl in his past that burned him?
0: Basically, they did a nice job. If anything, it's a it's a triumph of basic storytelling structure over individual goodness in every area because most of the movie was pretty bad how are we gonna make this
2: feel like harrison ford i know let's structure this like an indiana jones movie where uh, an opening chase scene while he's got something that he's stolen that whole train high scene was very indiana jones and then chewy and han in the mines was Mm. very temple of doom yeah yeah
0: i mean it was structured well the guy was appealing actually i thought I don't know. I guess he was trying to do a Harrison Ford impression. That's what the reviews and things tell me. But what was smart about it is that he really didn't feel like he was trying. Instead of playing cynical and gruff, he actually plays sincere and likable. And so you're actually seeing a young Han Solo who's open hearted and nice. And maybe by the end of the movie, he's more cynical.
2: I'm just going to say he did a great job. Yeah, He did great. I think he did an excellent job. And I don't care what anybody says, because what he had to do was we're going to see Mary Poppins returns and we're going to see Emily Blunt try to play Julie Andrews. And if she can make you... Forget that. Forget it, or just just be happy to suspend it for a few moments. That's a triumph. And so Harrison Ford is just Harrison Ford playing Harrison Ford.
0: But I thought the smart thing was that (laughs) this guy didn't play Harrison Ford. I don't know. I thought it was smart the way they did it, because if he'd been actually really trying to do a Harrison Ford impression and capture that magic the whole time, it wouldn't have worked. But instead, he just played a character who we grew to like kind of on his own terms.
2: Well, and I think the smart, and this may be why that it was smart to bring in Ron Howard is because then it didn't have to rely on banter. It didn't have to rely on, like I thought, I think retroactively just making an Indiana Jones movie out of a Star Wars movie where he's doing Indiana Jones things while he's also Han Solo just sort of contributed to this sense of, yeah. this is a Han Solo movie This is a Harrison Ford movie Hmm. without him having to actually really embody Harrison
0: Ford. Because he doesn't. Nobody can. Harrison Ford is one of the 20th century, not the 21st, but the 20th century's great screen commanders of screen presence, I will say. Just in in terms of being able, especially in a big special effects or action movie, being able to hold the center of the screen and just exist in the middle of chaos is something that Harrison Ford does Almost like no one before him or after him. And no one was going to be able to just do that. Uh, Was there anything else good about this movie?
2: Well, I'll I'll say that Woody Harrelson did a good job. I, I expected Donald Glover to steal the show and he didn't. He did not. And so. Yeah,
0: that was lame. Well, your your film critic ben, Walter Shaw said there must be a reason that Donald Glover released This Is America because he probably wanted people to see him do something really cool before they saw him his talents completely wasted. <laughs> it was
2: just a waste. Like, yeah. It, they gave him nothing to do, nothing good to...
0: Nothing to play, yeah. He just kind of had to do a bad Billy Dee Williams impression, and it was just really lame and not that charismatic or great or interesting nope. or fun or funny or anything. The destruction of his robot? Yeah, we'll get to the robot in a second. Oh, but, boy. Um, <laughs> What are the other good things? It turns out Woody Harrelson's almost always good in everything and it's yeah, always fun yeah. to see Paul him. Paul Bettany so. was good? Paul Bettany played a good. Uh, uh, Amelia Clark was good yeah, as a love interest? She's got a nice smile. That's what I'll say about her sure. and they, and some Ron Howard might be a boring director, but he's someone who knows if you've got an actress who has a really pretty sweet smile, you should have her smile all the <laughs> time. <laughs> Which is also what J.J. J. Abrams knew about Daisley Ridley, and it makes The Force Awakens a much better movie than it would have been otherwise. You just feel the cheerfulness of Ray and uh, Finn and all that. This movie had a little bit of that with Alden Ehrenreich Ar- and whatever his Aaron name Wright. is, and Amelia Clark. So the cast was all pretty good, the structure of the story was good, and it pulled you through, and it was a fun little forgettable movie that I never need to see again, but I had fun a lot more fun with it than I was expecting.
2: Chewbacca and Han becoming friends, Han knowing how to
1: speak whatever Wookiee speak is. We got some subtitled
0: Wookiee speak, which was mm-hmm. silly, but fun, yeah. I guess.
1: I noticed in some of the scenes that like the shots were actually a little out of focus so i noticed some technical things like that and it bugs me because there's no reason especially in a big budget tentpole like i was wondering if that's something wrong with the
0: projection when i see that in a major movie like that
1: i don't think so in this case because i didn't notice it in other scenes just here and there it was like you didn't quite get the shot you wanted i wonder if that was part of the reshoots
0: yeah, I mean, um, the movie, you could see a little, some of the stitching in the movie. It, it was, was kind of patchy. It was it was patchy. It was a little haphazard. Maybe that, can we say what we did? Do? Does anybody else want to say anything nice <laughs> about this before we say the things that aren't as nice about it?
2: It's fun.
1: Yeah, true.
0: I don't want to, we're, I'm about to say, put on my snobby film critic monocle and say what was dumb about it but I don't wanna undermine the fact that the movie actually basically just works and is fun. And if you wanna see it.
2: I, yeah, what I would say is that of all the movies we've seen so far this spring, early summer, this is the one to see it at the drive-in with your friends and you'll have a good time with it if you come with reasonably low expectations. I, I was in a really crummy mood. I thought it was gonna stink, but I wanted it to be anything less than a drag. Right. Mm -hmm. And
0: it
1: was, in fact, less than a drag. It
0: was, yeah. It was fun. The characters were likable. It was basically just a fun little...
1: And and it has, because of the storytelling structure and the basic dramatic movements, even though it doesn't give you like an actual good movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) based off its its main ideas, it gives you like the ideas. (laughs) I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say it gives you the points of reference for Han's character that you kind of want in the back of your brain.
0: Well, there's something we always talk about on the bookening. And I think the first place we brought it up with Stephen King, where I I always say some of his flaws are his strengths and that he will leave a character relatively undefined, leave a character while it's relatively two dimensional. And that can actually work in his favor because you, the reader, his character will just be a two dimensional pretty next girl next door. That means if Jake reads it, Nathan reads it, or Ben reads it, we're all going to have a different idea of what pretty girl next door we grew up with. And because he leaves it somewhat undefined in a kind of artful way, you can impose your own ideas. And Luke Skywalker, same thing in the original Star Wars. He's such a cipher in some ways, but because he's such a cipher, every little boy the world over can put himself into Luke Skywalker. And in the same sense, this movie is thin But it gives you those reference points and lets you have an adventure with it.
1: And I would say, okay, one other thing that just occurred to me that I like is that the female interest arc is actually the most well done in terms of what they say or don't say about her. Just based on her actions, the most stuff happened to her. Interchanged.
0: I think it works pretty well.
2: Yeah, she was good. Not a whole lot to resent about this movie.
0: Well, there's one thing that we <laughs> I, I very much resent. So you got to. Leave. Can I just say? Yeah.
1: So glad we're reviewing this movie. <laughs> so glad we saw this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> Is there anything you'd like while reviewing this movie, Ben? <laughs> Equal rights. Equal rights. Equal rights. <laughs> Equal rights. <laughs> okay so the movie has an obnoxious terrible character worse than dobby the house elf one of my least favorite characters from the harry potter verse if you're familiar with those Uh, a social justice warrior droid droid and she's the most obnoxious she is
2: so obnoxious she's supposed to be comic relief or something i guess
0: but you're also sort of supposed to like be like yeah you
2: you you go girl she's woke they gave us a woke droid right and a woke bot yeah and she's just obnoxious.
0: Yeah, she the way that she moves is kind of the way that she's designed has this sexual element, which it's, they play up. I wouldn't be saying it except for the, the movie makes explicit actually, yeah. mention yeah. of it in that Lando is kind of supposed to be this pansexual guy who's attracted to everybody and everything that's not nailed down. And that's that's one of the jokes of the movie is that the robot is like, you know, we could have something together. And there's all these weird kind of sexual... And there's legendos. actually a sex
2: bot joke. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. just
0: it's really off-putting and
2: and everything about the way they designed like they designed this robot to not it's it's humanoid in that it's got two arms, two legs, and a head and a mm-hmm. torso, but it's far less humanoid than like C3PO or but it's also the way it moves and the way certain it's just got hips
0: basically and
2: it's got hips and, and it has got it's, a bust
1: yeah,
0: and it's got uh, attachments. And the uh, way it moves is just you. It's just if you're an adult male, I can't speak for every kind of human being, but if you're an adult male and you watch this robot, you'll know exactly what they're doing, and we needn't describe it any more. Yeah, people. and it,
2: and that's not to say that it's in any way attractive. No, no, no. It wasn't like
0: nope. oh, I shouldn't be watching this. It was just like oh, why did you guys make do it this? move that way? Yeah, yeah, gross. That was unfortunate. She's not in too much of the movie, luckily, but she's in enough of it to hurt. She is the worst part of this movie yeah uh other bad things about movie the movie all the dialogue is terrible <laughs> well nathan that's to be expected it's just yeah but wouldn't it be nice if they wrote some good dialogue for star wars i mean come on a summer blockbuster can still be have some quality control right guys marvel mm-hmm. has good dialogue or at least fun banter you know Why didn't good this jokes fun banter what else I don't know, everything.
1: Uh, I thought most of the stuff in the mines was just like bad. Kind of chaotic. Ba- badly pulled off, and, yeah. Yeah, know. like yeah, yeah. so th- was
2: Temple of Doom. At least they had the mine cart.
0: I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't go there with you. Temple of Doom is not a good movie, but it's made by a master filmmaker and this isn't.
2: Well, you know. yeah, everything that, you know, what, what Ron Howard does is he flattens things and makes them bland, as Walter mm. Chaw put it. And that sort of smooths things over and makes them work, but it also makes it really lame. Mm-hmm. Like like I said at the or one of us said at the beginning, this is just a classic Q and A. Like, did you ever wonder how Han Solo came to be named Han Solo? Did you ever right. wonder how he met Chewbacca? Did you ever wonder how they became friends? Did you ever wonder where the dice <laughs> came from and mm-hmm. the story behind the dice? Did you ever wonder? why Han was so antagonistic towards Leia. Did you ever wonder why possession? Did right. you ever and wonder? Is any wh- of
0: that surprising? Is oh, any man. of it interesting? Is there any ambiguity that you oh, didn't let's expect? go check them off. Nope. This We're just going to give yeah. you
2: pat, easy,
0: non-fun answers to those questions. No creativity. Yeah, yeah. It's a, but now you know. It's a creatively bankrupt movie. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's there's part of me that's angry at the movie because it is it is so lazy and so bad. and It's very lazy. It's just
2: trading on the fact that there's this character that you love and grew up with or whatever. And you've always had all of these questions and now they're just going to answer them all. Boom, 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 boom. We're just going to answer it because we want to turn this into a franchise. Well, and also it's just like just into answering a,
0: questions isn't series. good enough. The answers to the questions should be good good you know it's it's like okay i'm glad that he got his dice in the most boring way possible i'm glad that you know i mean it's a little bit like the problem the things that people always criticize about the prequels it's like well now i know anakin's story and it turns out it's a lot less interesting than i thought that it would be it's stupid that hollywood's so lazy it's stupid that they have such contempt for their audiences there's an extended gambling scene at the end as as walter shaw again points out they oh here's how lando's cheating here's a close-up of his sleeve where the card here's what han did oh, okay, now Han's going to have the trump card. Now he's going to hold it up for us. Now he's going to... They just think their audience is idiot. Well, and and maybe that's fair. These are kids' movies, so... But then if it's a kid movie, why do they have to have the sex robot jokes?
2: Trying to play it every which way.
0: Darned if you do, darned if you don't. Should people see this movie in general?
2: There are exactly two contexts for this movie. One is at the drive-in with a bunch of friends agreed and the other is on netflix
0: agreed mm. should kids see this movie
2: i don't like that robot or anything about
0: it I, I don't have any problem with kids seeing this movie i'd say wait for netflix just because you can skip the robot maybe that's what i or go or, to the drive-in. or, or I'd be at can, the drive-in can, in because people turn will the speakers be, off for the ro- or, talk. or just be
2: distracted it's not like it's uh, there's one verbally explicit thing that will
1: still sail over a lot of kids heads
0: you could probably take your kid and they'd be fine, but there is just something perverse and disgusting and it, you just don't like the filmmakers for doing it.
1: I think it's enough to get kids thinking, honestly. I think it's clear enough. It's gross. What they what, it's what just they gross, mean. stupid, worthless edition
2: Why couldn't they have given us another K2SO, just a sarcastic robot with a little bit of a malfunction who is awesome, the best droid,
0: or bring 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 Lobot into the mix? Where's yeah, how Lobot? How are we going to meet Lobot? Yeah. yeah. How did Lando meet Lobot? The question remains to be answered. Yeah, it's like they wanted to... Or give to... us a
2: cute little astromech that we can't understand what he's saying.
1: Yeah, it's like they wanted to fold our current social justice discussion into the notion of their rebellion, which I guess they've already been doing, but they just want it to be oh, really yeah obnoxious
2: Speaking about Speaking of it. which, one other really stupid obnoxious scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. Our, our heroes have been dogged by this group of marauders, space oh, pirates, yeah. the entire time. And it turns out that these marauders are actually a uh, splinter cell.
0: Well, and let's let's see if our audience can guess. There is a scary figure on the equivalent of like a space motorbike with a helmet. We don't see. It's
1: a, it's a mask.
0: <laughs> but this character has a mask. Now what, if you've ever seen any movie, dear listener, if a, if a character just did something cool and they have a mask that obscures their face and an outfit that obscures their bodily form, what are they going to be? When they take said mask off. Oh,
2: bookie. (laughs) (laughs) Incorrect. A four-armed creature. But that was true
0: one time. That was true one time in this movie. But generally that speaking, was played by Rocket Raccoon. Generally <laughs> speaking, I like that guy. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> think too. it was just a Rocket Raccoon not a ripoff. I like that guy fine. Uh,
2: yeah, you, you rewatch it and you remember Rocket Raccoon and see if I haven't
0: haven't convinced you. Well, I will probably not do that, but I, <laughs> I take your point. Um, Maybe just a train scene. Any, there has n- probably never been a movie where someone has taken like a helmet, a motorcycle helmet, or something off, and it's not been a pretty young woman, which is exactly what, and the audience is supposed to go, (gasps) it's just like, of course it is, it always is. I mean, what what
2: compounded that, (laughs) just like, Ron Howard's (laughs) clunky tripping through that trope was Mm -hmm. that she turned to give us this motivational, sentimental, expositional speech Mm -hmm. that was just completely out of place in this movie about how they're rebelling against the Galactic, and it feels so futile and stupid and... Yeah, there's a number of long.
0: Yeah, and she had been scary and violent. Her splinter had been had caused the deaths of people that we liked earlier, and now mm-hmm. suddenly they're just They're nice the good guys. They're the good guys. Because they're not wearing scary masks anymore, so we just forget. I mean, that's how short of an intention span the filmmakers expect us to have. Kind of the same thing with, spoiler alert, Woody Har- Harrelson's character. He ends up being the bad guy that betrays Han and teaches him he needs to be more cynical and all that. But you could literally flip a coin and you could make the girl the one that betrays him instead of Woody Harrelson. It doesn't matter. We get our
2: one little Han is actually a step ahead.
0: Yeah, he shoots first, if you can imagine that. Well, he
2: he knew that Harrelson was going to betray him
0: and set that
2: up. And then he, yeah, then he shot first. That, whatever the name of that group of marauders, I can't remember. I don't remember either. That is supposed to be a splinter cell like what the ghost crew is in Rebels that eventually forms the, the Rebel Alliance. If you know Star Wars Rebels and have watched that stuff, then you know at the reveal, suddenly it makes sense who they are and what they're trying to do. I did not grow up a Star Wars geek, I promise. Uh, A couple years ago, my kids started getting into into Star Wars, and I I started watching a little bit of Clone Wars cartoons. It was just something that I put on on accident. Actually, you might have put it on, Nathan. I did. I was just you put it that. on. I you actually remember. you actually got us
0: started on it. You put on the Clone Wars. And I was just being my usual sarcastic self thing. What can I put on that we can all just scoff at? And so I. So you put on the Clone Wars movie, and it was kind of cool. And I think I left after, like, I, I turned it, on. Know, it was on for five minutes. It. And then I was like, ha ha ha, now Jake has now to I'm stuck explain watching to his it with kids, my kids why he can't, they can't watch this. You know, cut to Jake's a Star Wars expert.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I've basically watched it all with my kids, <laughs> right. all Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels now by this point. Right. The
0: movie was, but the more, and the more you bring to this movie, the more, more you'll enjoy it.
2: You need to you need to bring a lot to, to, yes, exactly. to, you need to bring a lot to feel like that
0: like it matters or has any relevance to this If you're a Star Wars fan, if you like this stuff, then you'll like it. If you think that you're not gonna like this movie, you probably won't like it that much. It's one of those kinds of movies. There's not much to it. I guess we all give it a qualified yes, see it. If you can yeah. stand some robot badness and be careful with your kids with the robot badness. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of other moral content, if yeah. you've, you've got people stealing and pulling capers, and we're not we're not supposed to think about the Ten Commandments, so that's a place to yeah, use discernment. We're just supposed with kids. to
2: think of this is a messed up world. The government's evil. Everybody's evil, and you just got to find a way to survive. You've and, got woman
0: warriors get You know, the woman does kung fu, and that's supposed to be okay. And I don't even feel like complaining she about. She saves that. Han. Yeah, you know? I'm. I'm just. I'm. I know. I'm. Uh, but I'm. I don't even have the heart to complain about that this time, folks. But not a fan as usual.
2: Hey, you want to know why Lando calls Han Han? Cause it annoys him. He's a guy. That- ha! Another box to tick. Yep.
0: All right, guys. Well, this was a fun evening of going to the theater. Uh, is there anything people need to know? Hey, if you want to support us, a good way to do it, because in a couple of weeks, we're coming out with the new season of World We Made, right, Jake? That's right. June 18th, the day after Father's Day. The uh, season is actually, season two is actually going to be on fatherhood. And if you want to support that work and the work of Sound of Sanity and all the work that Jake and I and everybody at Warhorn Media, Benjamin, does, how do you do that, Jake?
2: We can go to warhornmedia.com and click the give button at the top of the page. That's absolutely right. If you specifically want to support the work of The World We Made and uh, a lot of uh, the writing ministry of Tim Bailey, you can give uh, at patreon.com forward slash out of our minds. It's the name of his channel at warhornmedia.com. Do you want to support The Bookening, The the Bookening has a Patreon.
0: Patreon Patreon.com forward slash The Bookening.
2: Yeah. And don't be surprised when we launch the Sound of Sanity Patreon, guys. It's going to come.
0: And it's going to be cool. And we're going to make it worthwhile. There's going to be actual, really cool behind the paywall stuff there. Um, I mean,
2: if you want to, if you want the Humanologians to have a spinoff,
0: that would be a good place for it. All right. Well, Ben, you executive producer... No, no. You... <laughs> I did <laughs> no, not. You engineered. Benjamin... So, as always, Benjamin Soldier was our engineer. Nathan Alberson was our producer. Our executive producer was Jacob Menzel and Nathan Alberson. just like they always are for all fine Warhorn Media content. Until next time... I have a good feeling about this.